Hey everybody, we get a lot of questions uh, being, you know, semi-professional amateur wannabe podcast hosts that uh, also run track events and do some racing. Uh, we get a lot of questions from uh, from everybody in the track community and uh, stuff like, you know, what's the best part for the job, how to put my car together, uh, how to route harnesses, uh, what should I buy, helmet, suit, uh, Nomex, uh, anything stuff like that uh when it comes to safety gear very very serious questions and uh we uh, we want to give you guys good answers uh we'll send you over to our buddies over at og racing if you got a track car or race car like most of our listeners you should check them out They're the best in the safety business um, they're friendly staff incredibly well versed in the products and the installations of the parts they sell and they can assist you in honorably purchasing safety gear for your car but also answering questions or using or installing these things correctly uh, harnesses, nets, suits, helmets, shoes, and driver gear aren't all they sell. They also carry a, a huge array of trackside gear and car parts, scales, fuel cells, uh, gauges, uh, stuff like that. So if you guys need anything, if you've got any questions, uh, give them a call. Uh, super helpful staff, uh, been, been easy to deal with uh, in our experience, and really, really, uh, really a lot of experience there. Uh, 25 years in business, and... Probably hundreds of years combined experience in their staff, uh, racers themselves, and they're here to help. So give them a call, 800-934-9112, or check them out on the web, ogracing.com, uh, 800-934-9112, or ogracing.com, and tell them Slip Angle sent you. Slip Angle Show. I'm Austin Cabot, and today I am at Bonneville Salt Flats for the beginning wow. of Speed Week in 2017, uh, sitting in a brand new Ram 3500 with the Cummins and the AC blowing uh, with Mr. Tom Odell. How's it going, Tom? Good, Mr. That was my dad. Mr. I'm, I'm just Tom. Oh, okay, okay. I'll just call you Tom from now just on. Just call me Tom from now on. <laughs> All right. So, yeah, actually, uh, Anthony Magnoli hooked me up with you. Um, scary, isn't it? Yeah, very, very scary. But come to find out, I actually met you back at uh, Gingerman Raceway for Grid Life. Yeah, Grid Life. When back we had in the, June. Yeah, when we had the Fiat's 124 there with Kevin Wesley and Colette Davis and Sarah Price. Yeah. Yeah, that was a pretty cool Yeah, event. the Fiat 124 rally cars. Yes. So and those things were, were pretty awesome. I remember on Thursday before the event started, you guys had them in the tech shed. Yep. And me and Adam Jubay were kind of milling around. I was surprised. It just how much technology is crammed into those cars. There's a lot. I mean, they are purpose, purpose built. Purposely built car to run against the Porsche in the uh, FIA GT series, uh, rally series in Europe. Uh, 124, and they're two liter, and they do about, I don't know, maybe 300 horsepower turbo sequential shift. Right now, that's not the factory motor for that car, right? Oh yeah, it comes basically the the. Well, car. sorry for the the factory 124, like the street cars. Uh, it it is basically except for the turbo. The turbo okay. is a Mopar that you can get from Mopar out of Fiat Abarth, Italy. Oh really? Oh yeah. Huh? Oh yeah. I mean, I have a build of material that you could take a car, a normal 124, with the build material, order those parts. The turn top, it into that. Oh yeah, there the top is basically there's a part number for that top which looks like our convertible which actually looks better than the mazda but anyway but yeah i mean it's a purpose to build cards and we took it after uh, grid life which you were there and i met you like you say and we took it to mount washington uh the uh, kevin wesley in the kumo 124 fiat abarth rally car did 14 seconds under the track record, set a new track record, and won the event. Wow. Overall. Overall. Wow. Oh, in, our, uh, in the no, class. In the class. Okay. Which is uh, two, uh, two uh, rear-wheel drive. Two liter and under? Yeah. Rear-wheel drive. Okay. Sarah had a problem with the engine. She didn't do bad, but she had a little engine problem. Uh, we're still diagnosing it, um, looking at the data and stuff like that. But, yeah, I mean, it was fun time. I think uh, my next time that I will see you... Hopefully, we're going to go to Grid Life Atlanta. We're going to take the uh, Viper. Right. 
to end the Fiat. I think the Fiat would be on display, but we're going to run the Viper. In the time attack? In the time attack okay. at Gridlife Road Atlanta. Right. So hopefully we can um, do pretty good there. Yeah. No, looking forward to, to seeing you guys there. You know, the more that I talk to you and the more that I see the different programs that you run for Fiat Chrysler. Well, I don't know if I run them. I uh, just... You help, uh, you help make them work. Facilitate. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> so, but, you know, you guys have your hands in a lot of different things. But the more that I talk to you, the more that I realize you have a very, very strong background in the motorsports industry. Well, you know, this is my second career. My first career, I um, went to college. I actually went to NOM, spent two years in NOM. Four years, six years in the Marine Corps. I was uh, two years in 8th and I Marine Barracks, presidential honor bodyguard, silent drill team, combat wounded veteran. And then so I went to school. And then in the first career, I worked in the environmental, like uh, environmental, uh, you know, like hazardous material and stuff like that. And then and I got hired to California, moved to California, started racing in California, Formula Fords and stuff like that. And so then, that was like like when Riverside Raceway was still oh yeah, around. Oh, yeah. I used to race Formula Fords and Sports 2000s up around Riverside. Okay. This was like uh, we were sponsored by a company. Well, I, I'll give you a story. But we were out at uh, Riverside, and we were sponsored by a company, by IT Corporation. And uh, I was a foreman for the company, and we had a car on display, and this lady came up, older lady. It was a Formula Ford, Crosley 32F. I mean, you guys can go back and look, but Crosley 32F was probably one of the best form of Fords that was that was built. And uh, she came up and she says, "Can I get in the car?" And she was, uh, you know, how to be uh, nicely uh, said. Um, uh, what, what would be the word for big boned? Yes. Okay. <laughs> okay. There Thank you me. go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I, Sometimes I'm not politically correct, but I appreciate that. <laughs> but anyway, she got in. So she got in the car, and then when she tried to get out, she couldn't get out of the car. Oh man! I had to take the bodywork off the car to get her out. So I thought I'd. I mean, she's sitting there laughing and taking pictures and everything. So a Monday morning, I was called in the office of the president of the company. He said, "What did you do?" I said, well, I, "I don't know." I, I, he said, "What what happened to the lady?" Well, she wanted to get in the car, and then she couldn't get out of the car and had to take the bodywork <laughs> off. Where her husband was the president of Kaiser Steel. Oh, really? And they they signed it like a $10 million contract, contract with... just because of that. Wow. So I guess the moral of that story, you never judge a book by its cover. Yeah. You know, I'm telling you. But anyway, so in 82, when the second ore shortage happened, I actually worked a race in Riverside, California, an IMSA race, and we were... I helped a team, which I didn't know who it was. Well, I knew who it was, and they came to find out it was John Paul. Huh. So was it a team just looking for extra help? Well, they help, couldn't get the car. Like, no, oh, they, I've been around the track. No, they couldn't get the car running. Huh. And I had built a Can-Am under two-liter car with a guy by the name of Andy Baisley. Okay. And we had the same injection system which on the car, which was a Bosch uh, injection system, which had plungers, and it worked off a cam, and it fired it, it, into it's each just, injector. Yeah, this is this was a little bit before you the know, very beginning of very beginning, or, or so to speak. Yeah, like like the Porsche with the Kugelfischer pump. It was almost basically the same thing, but it was built by Bosch. So I uh, I got it running for him, and then next thing I know, I went somehow somehow something happened, and they called me. Well, Roger Bailey called, said you want to go work for John Paul, and I went in 1982. Started racing full time. I mean, I'd done stuff before that dirt track when I was a kid, you know, in Tennessee and stuff like that. But in 82, I went full-time, John Paul, 1 to 24 hours of Daytona in 84, got hired by Porsche, ran Porsche Technical and parts for Porsche 962 program, 930, 935, 944. And then when Al got passed away at, uh, in Ohio, got moved to Detroit by Ford, Lee White, and Jack Roush, and built Trans Am cars. So... And then in 95, I got hired by Chrysler to build the Viper GTSR uh, and stuff like that. So, you know, I've been doing it a long time. Yeah. Um, and you, you've worked on some really, really, really good historical and yeah. important programs. Yep. Yep. I mean, you were telling me earlier, um, especially pertaining to the soft flats here, Porsche wanted to come 
Yeah, you know, came, in race a 928 back in 86. We came here in 86. I came here in 86 with Porsche, Al Holbert, like you say, a 928. And uh, we uh, stock car, and we put titanium, uh, the 962 progressive rate titanium springs on a car. and Valve it, springs? or No, springs. Uh, the- wheel, uh, suspension springs. Oh, okay. And we went out and um, set the record. And actually, I th- we set the record. And then Chevrolet came out and built a uh, a truck to beat our record. But start that's when the first time I came here. And uh, then I didn't come here for a long time. And then Ken Hardman uh, works at Chrysler. Uh, him and another guy, Tom Worsham, which worked at SRT, asked me to come help him. So I've been helping them. And then we built this new car that you saw that we've been building that for five years okay. so hopefully this year well, we hold the record 291 on the old car right so hopefully we can and that was on the lakester right that was running as a lakester yes. okay and the lakester just for people that that don't understand the lakester has outboard wheels right yep and it's it's kind of still more of an aerodynamic shape but, aerodynamic, outboard wheels. but the only difference is the wheels are outside right and uh when we were here he spun it at two two eighty, I think, Oof. and pulled the chute and uh, saved it. And if it, it it hit a bump, it was so rough it hit a bump and upset the car at that speed. And the front was like a shovel and just shoveled salt all up inside the cockpit. <laughs> oh yeah, and he, when we, you know, I laughed. I mean, he he doesn't like me telling the story, but when I got to the car, his eyes were as big as tea saucers, you know, <laughs> just sitting there in a helmet. And we had yeah. to dig him out of the car to get him out of the car. Wow. But, so that's why it drove us to build the new car. So. Okay. Yeah, What what is the new car? You know, obviously I'm here and I've seen it, but a lot of people that are listening don't quite know what it is. Well, it's about 23 feet long, 24 feet long. It's, we use the same motor that we used in the old car, which is a Stratus touring car motor. And we use a Viper gearbox, mm-hmm. five-speed. We It's front-wheel drive. We use like a Franklin uh, uh, drive in the front, quick-change gear right. in the front. And then um, it's supercharged and turbo. And turbocharged. Yeah. It's got a big, big Garrett turbo on there. And what we do, the reason why that, because you don't want any lag, so the turbo always feeds the supercharger. The supercharger takes the air, compresses it, so works all the way up to... Maybe let's say, let's say for an example, six thousand RPM, and then from six thousand RPM, the turbo is over boosting. Supercharge is still boosting, but now the turbo is boosting the whole the whole motor after that. Okay. Now, so, has it has the setup in the old car was it always that way too? It was a turbo feeding a supercharger. The old car was just a turbo feeding the motor. Okay. This is to get rid of the lag. That's why we did this. Okay. And. And why why that versus like a compound turbo setup that might have you know the bigger well, turbo feeding a smaller turbo or vice versa however you want to well, set it. Well you still up. got lag. You still you know you still have lag. Here you have no lag. Okay. Supercharger takes care of the it's still the same principle but the supercharger takes care of the lag until the turbo cuts in. Right. So even if I the and to your point there the Fiat rally car has a smaller compound turbo so it does it doesn't have lag. So you could do that, but then you're losing horsepower. Okay. So it's and do better those, do, do it this way. Do those Fiats, do those have an anti-lag system in them as yep. well? Okay. Yep. Okay. So Fiat has um, anti-lag, you know, but here again, we just, I don't know, we just kind of figured this is better and we can still make a lot of power with this, this setup. Right. So Now you were telling me earlier that the, the streamliner body, when you guys aero tested it. Well, it is, it's slick. Yeah. We don't. It's super, super it's slick. super, super slick. Very, very low coefficient of drag numbers. Yes. We don't have to name any specifics. Yes. But, and and took, when you walk up to it and you look at it, you go, yeah, that yeah. is that is a very, very aerodynamic car. We, the Chrysler wind tunnel that we put it in, uh, thank to Chrysler and FCA for allowing us to do it, and SRT, uh, we, it is the slickest car that that wind tunnel has ever seen. And rightfully so. I and mean, it, it should be. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Yeah, but you know, I mean, it's we've you know we put a lot of hours in it. You know, Ken. You know, Ken is. Um, you know, it's his design. It's his. 
it's our work and everybody that was on the team with it. And so, you know, we'll see what happens. Yeah. And there is, there is a lot of prep work that actually goes into these events that I didn't really realize. You know, I thought people just like prep the car then showed up and then you go and run it. But yeah. there's tons of prep work in between each run that needs to be done. Obviously you guys have, you know, a water cooling system that you put ice in. You have to repack the chutes like we did today. Struggle with How a little bit. That? Struggle with a little bit with the, the kind of salt uh, in the webbing of the nylon made it a little hard to fold yeah, everything you were, up. You were sweating a little bit. I yeah, seen, just I, a little you, bit. You broke a bead. Just a little bit. I couldn't believe it. So I'm, I'm going to blame it on the heat. Not bad for a PR guy. You <laughs> yeah, <know>? right? <laughs> <laughs> so, but no, I mean, being out here at Speed Week compared to some of the other like track events that, uh, that I go to on the professional level, the community here seems pretty outgoing. I mean, the pits are open. People don't mind people walking around for the most part no. and checking everything out. Asking questions as long as they're not too specific, like, hey, what, what gear are you running? Yeah, like that one guy wanted <laughs> yeah. to know what gear I told him, 889 or yeah. something like that. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, it, it seems like a really, really cool community, and it's really hard to explain what it's like being here. I'm not even here on, like, a this is like load-in day. Yeah. You know, I'm not even here on, right now, during actual Speed Week. Right, speed right. Week starts tomorrow, and I'm already amazed just at the level of machinery that's here, the camaraderie, and everything. I really, I, this needs to be an event that I need to make it to every year. And I, I've asked you, and hopefully, you're going to accept to stay tomorrow, to like half the day because, I think you'll you you cannot leave here and not see some cars run. Yeah, if I mean, not tomorrow, I'm going to come back Sunday for yeah, sure. Well, Absolutely you, on Sunday. You have to. You've come this far. You've spent too many days. You spent a couple of days here. You camped out in the salt. You haven't gone to the bathroom forever, you know, and that type of deal. <laughs> so I think you need to to watch the cars run yeah. because it's, uh, I mean, it, this place, I mean, I've, I've won Le Mans three years in a row with the Viper. I've won Daytona. I've won Sebring. Uh, won Petit Le Mans. I mean, won the FIA championship. Uh, but there's been two events that really, really have really stood out with me is Pikes Peak last year and and here at Bonneville <clears throat> you know those <clears throat> those two events and Mount Washington this year we winning <clears throat> I mean I wouldn't drive Mount Washington you couldn't pay me enough money to drive <laughs> Mount Washington I, I wouldn't mind driving Pikes Peak because that's like a freeway but I'm just saying those three events you've got to put it on a bucket list yeah if, if, I don't care what you do you've got to put these three events Pikes Peak Bonneville and Mount Washington on a bucket list. Yeah. Just because. No, there's, um, you know, there's events that happen every year that kind of, even people outside of the motorsport community know what it is. Yep. And it's the ones that you mentioned. Yep. You know, it's Pikes Peak. Yep. It's Bonneville. And for some people, Mount Washington. You know, I mean, it's. You were here today. Talk, this English guy came up. He'd been for oh, the last. Yeah, him and his daughter and his wife. Yeah. What would he say? Thirty years ago? Yeah, thirty he, or forty years, 40 years ago. ago. He looked at a, a brochure, and he he was going to come over a couple years ago when it rained, but he didn't. So it's taken him this long to come over, and this is his bucket list. Yeah, flew in from London on Virgin Air, rented a car from Las Vegas, and drove up here, and he's here for the whole week. Yeah, yeah. I he mean, said he's been saving for like thirty yeah, years to be able to come over here. That's crazy. Yeah. And then you go down the road down here. You see, you see the a guy from Holland. Yep. There's only two of them. There's the team from New Zealand. Team from New Zealand. Then there's a team from Mexico over here. Yeah. You got a college team down here. Uh, University of Ohio's here with the with a car. So I mean, it goes all walks of life yeah. are here. Yeah. And then you have you have teams like that, and then you have the guy behind us that's running that neon yeah. SRT4. That's just a street car. Yeah, it's a street car. Does 200 plus miles an hour. Yep. Still has a plate on it. Has full interior. Unless he's running the event, he strips it out just for the event. But it's just him and his dad. Like he nope. doesn't have a team. It's nope. him and his dad just out. Him by himself. Yeah. And his dad's the first, dad's what eighty years old and his first time he's ever been here. Yeah. And having and loving every minute of it. Yeah. So I mean, as much as there are like there's professional <laughs> land speed programs for the most part, a lot of it's you know just small independent teams that don't have a whole lot of backing. Yep. And I think that's what makes the event so interesting. It's kind of what makes the grid life event so interesting too. Is that it has like kind of still like a grassroots yep. feel. You know, it, it makes it feel like it's accessible. Well, I know I, 
you know, I'm not, I'm an older guy. Uh, I laugh when I say that, but I'm not into the, the drifting and whatever, what grid life was. But when I went to grid life at Gingerman, I'm telling you, I was impressed. I mean, I watched some of those guys doing 360s <laughs> yeah. drifting up the main <laughs> front straight. Now, I want to tell you something. And a guy behind him in the video car taking the In the, the Mercedes, video. yeah. The guys from Donut Media. Yeah. yeah. And I'm sitting there going, whoa. Yeah. You know? I mean, this is crazy. But I'm just saying, I kind of, uh, my whole concept of grid life changed just because there is art there. Any, you know, I, I never thought, like, I, I did, worked on a drift car with Sam Hubenay when he first won his championship. I did. Hell, I is that did the, the Chargers? No, the Viper. The Viper. Yeah. Oh, that's right. That was back, what, uh, mid-2000s? Something like that. 2005, 2006, somewhere so I, in there. When Sam just first came over, you know, we did the won the championship. And I was getting into it, and then I got out of it. And, and But now it's really progressed. It's just like, I mean, grid life is a fun event. I mean, if it wasn't that good an event, we wouldn't be going to Road Atlanta. Yeah. Let's put it that way. Yeah. And it's going to be fucking, <laughs> excuse my French, but it's going to be F awesome. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I could say the word, but I'll probably get uh, bleep if I said it. Well, it's funny. A lot of people have this kind of preconceived notion of what grid life is before they ever go to the event. Like they hear about it, they see the video, but they never show up. And then yep. they, they tend to form an opinion of yep. what it's like. And then they show up. And it's completely go, different than what they expected. You yeah. Know, Whoa! What the hell? You know? Yeah. yeah it's, so it's cool. I mean, it was Gingerman was. Have you have you ever a seen event. a larger gathering of young people of, no. involved around motorsport? No, they had you, they had ten thousand people there. Yeah. I mean, they they had eight thousand or eight or nine thousand camping. Yeah. And it the was rest huge. of them were walk-in <laughs> spectators. Huge. Yeah. It was huge. Yeah. And and all the and, and the the amazing thing about it was. Is that they all behaved themselves? Now I I didn't go back in the back forty back there, but it uh, was uh, it was interesting. I was out there until like three or four in the morning a couple nights, and uh, and then up at seven for the drivers meeting. Yeah, well, it's probably like <laughs> Sebring when you go to Sebring and do the twelve hours the 12. Of Sebring. Same thing. You're going you know going through the uh, you know the the pit zones and stuff like that. Yeah, that's what you ought to do too. Is you do some of the twenty four hour races and just you know give them a shot. But anyway, I mean. Uh, I've you know I've enjoyed what I've done. I've I've had a good time. Uh, you know I I appreciate you taking your time out, coming out, and just seeing what we got. I'm going to blame Anthony for uh, you know tying you up with me. You oh know, no, this you know. is this has been great. You know, and and hopefully we have the opportunity to work together in the future too. I I hope so. I think that um, you know, Grid Life. You know, maybe we can do some more stuff with Grid Life. Yeah. Uh, I, th- I, you know, I think I think there's a lot of a lot of opportunities here, and the, and the, all you guys at Grid Life making it go, I think uh, it's pretty cool. You yeah. Know? So you know, going back to when you started getting into professional motorsport, you know, in the '80s, things were seemed like they were a lot different back then than they are now. I mean, what are some of the the biggest changes that you've seen? Has it been manufacturer involvement, like manufacturers pouring way more money in, or is it? You know, spectators maybe being were there more spectators back then versus there are now at the I, actual events. I think the biggest change that I've seen is that long time ago we used to do our own stuff. We built the car, we engineered the car, we did the engine, we did our own engineering on track. Well, I, I'll give you an example: at uh, uh, twelve uh, the twelve hours of uh, Sebring, I'm working for Aston Martin, uh, we were sponsored and by uh, Apache Boat, and one of the guys came in and crashed the, tore the whole front out of the car, off the front nose. <clears throat> well, being an English team, we didn't have any spares. Only thing we had was uh, a spare of the front splitter. And, that's what, and we built a nose. <laughs> Woody, a guy that worked for um, Aston Martin dealership in West Palm Beach, came over and me and him built a nose out of cardboard box cardboard and cardboard boxes to to, to so we could go race really and, and painted it really oh yeah do you like fiberglass over it it yeah. was still just card no. cardboard and fiberglass cardboard and fiberglass <laughs> laid it up and went out and ran i think we finished third or fourth overall mm-hmm. and it was pretty cool but i think what's happened and the other thing march Long time ago, there used to be uh, March used to build uh, GTP cars, 
and um, a lot of guys, owners, would buy the March car. Then, when you bought the March car, you uh, got English mechanics. Well, we used to kid because a lot of the guys that came over got their bachelors of the BA of engineering sitting on British Airways coming over <laughs> and never had, and they came engineers when they showed up here, which they weren't, which a lot of us American guys, you know, and then everybody says, well, you got to have an engineer and don't get me wrong, electronics, the MoTeC, data acquisition, all that stuff. We used to, we never had that before. You know, right. we had stopwatches. Stopwatches and like, oh, the car Judy feels Stro- like it's doing this. Judy Stropolis used to stay up 24 hours for the whole race and could actually clocking tell you. everything. Clocking and tell you where Man. your car was. And and uh, you could go up to her. Even IMSA, when you run IMSA 24 hours at Daytona, mm-hmm. would, would take her timesheets. But now everything is electronic. So I think the big thing that's changed is, you know, uh, you have – college degreed engineers some of them are good uh, i mean there's there's a kid that used that i worked on his dad's sprint car ryan now works at uh, ganassi great kid i mean great engineer and there's you know we at chrysler we have a bunch of engineers that are are great you know but the electronics the data acquisition you know that's the big thing that's changed yeah. that uh, if you don't have a college degree or you get lost, or if you don't have the knowledge behind it, you know, it's it's going to be hard to be competitive. Yeah, so, I mean, on the engineering side, something could theoretically work on paper, but when it's applied, it doesn't really work that well. well that's at why all. they keep us old farts around, so that <laughs> when they apply it, we can tell them it doesn't work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's a guy at work, a um, young guy, and Jeff, Jeff was the CIE whenever I started at Chrysler, and uh, he came up and he said, you know, Tom might be a crusty old fart, but sooner or later we got to do it his way. <laughs> and you know, it, it's just just from experience. That's just the experience. You still got to have the experience. Yeah. And believe me, there are some fantastic young engineers out there that know they know their shit. But the you know, sometimes they get carried away that they might think they're the only one that knows anything. I mean, uh, but I don't know. I mean, I think that's the biggest change. You know, and believe me, I know. I, you know, I know my place. I'm not complaining. Uh, but, guys, if you want to really get into racing, you need to get that college degree, get the experience, and, uh, you know, go from there. Don't, yeah. you know, don't think that you know it all because I guarantee you don't. There's always something new to learn. Just like when you're on the track, no matter how fast you're going, yep. you can always go faster. Yep. Always go faster. You can make some tweaks here and there. Always go faster. Yep. So... so but I, you know, I mean, that, to me, that's about the only thing that's changed. Hard work. It's always been hard work. I've had people tell me, "Well, you've never had a real job." Yeah, really. You know, sounds to me like you've had the best job. <laughs> I mean, you're telling me before you were flying back and forth to Europe every two weeks. And when we raced in Europe, and then we had the customer car program. You know, we had Chrysler engineers, and uh, we would go over there and support the Orca, Orca used to run our cars in Europe and we built we, we used to put the kits together and ship them over there and Orca would you know build them and race them and uh, we had like 10 or 15 customer cars customer teams in Europe and so yeah I mean it's knock on wood I still like my job I guess you can kind of tell somebody what my intensity is my intensity level oh, I love it man but I absolutely uh, love it it's pretty cool so another question I was just wondering about just now, you know, when manufacturers have these cars that, you know, are race cars for certain programs, and then the program closes up, what usually happens to those cars? Do they get sold off? Do they get mothballed? Or does it just depend? You want to cry? I'm sure they get crushed or cut up and crushed. Most time they get crushed. <sighs> Man, that I makes mean, me so angry. There has been only a few incidents that um, we've sold uh, cars to collectors or to people. Right. But nine times out of ten, the car, the liability, it's, it's, li- it's, it's a liability. The liability. Yeah. I mean, I, if, if it wasn't for the liability, 
Probably right. Sarah Warner. Yeah, like if someone's racing the car and they happen to roll it or get into a bad accident and something bad happens to them, yep. whose fault is it actually? It's just like the Vipers that we set the track 13 track records in. They were pre-production cars. I mean, they were like a production car. Were you part of that program? Oh, yeah. You were taking the car around everywhere? Yeah, but when I came back from uh, Penske in uh, 2013, I was put on that program, the new uh, Viper ACR program. Okay. And I was put on, Chris Winkler and I uh, went out and did a lot of the testing with Eric Horsley, my boss, Jeff Reese, and a guy from um, the shock um, one of the shock companies? Yeah, one of the shock companies. And I'm telling you, this is pretty upsetting because Daryl Bays uh, works for um, Ole- um, Olean's. Mm-hmm. Uh, does he work for Olean's? Well, whatever. One of the shock companies. <laughs> one of the shock companies. So we, we went out and tested. We tested at uh, Indy Motorsports Ranch, TMR, uh, VIR, Bakersfield, a lot of places, and um, I, I mean, I can even show you all the data. I still got all the notes and everything, but we, we come up and we did 13 track records with it. Those cars, you really couldn't, they were pre-production and they were sold to a collector, but they'll never, you can't, with the thing that you can never title them and stuff like that, and then that guy will never do that. Right. You know, I mean... If they, if it was sold to like a trusted collector. It wasn't just some guy uh, that came knocking. Uh, they'll never yeah. sell. It's a trusted and they won't collector. turn a wheel on the no, track. No, no, and, no. Yeah. No, no. Okay. Okay. So, yeah. So that was just something that like I kind of had in the yeah. back of my head. I don't know if you saw recently. Um, it looks like unofficially, uh, you know, the Viper did a new track record at the Nürburgring too. Uh, don't was, know if it was an FCA program. I think it was a, an independent effort or a crowdfunded um, effort. Yeah, but. that's an independent. They did a 703, I think it yeah. was. Yeah, but, but still very, think, very impressive. Yeah, well, there's, I think they're still going to do it again. Yeah. Uh, they, that, that was just one day, and I think they, there was some issues, or I don't know what it was. Right. No, but, one of our, uh, our, our friends that's been on the show before, um, I guess he got behind the wheel of one at Mid-Ohio. Oh, really? Uh, that's yeah, cool. Yeah, ACR. Um, that somebody was letting him drive and ended up doing like a 129 at Mid-Ohio. No way. Yeah. So uh, it was awesome. They, the the Viper ACR was it's a hell of a car. Unreal and Tom car. Tom gets out every time because he does some of the marketing events, yeah, yeah. like the ride and drive stuff yeah. um, for FCA. Uh, and he gets he said that that car is literally one of his favorite cars to drive. It's there's on the track. I don't know about the street ability, but on the track, it is just purpose built. That car was we. I don't know. That was listen. I I worked for Porsche for a lot of years. And I thank Chrysler and FCA for hiring me. But I've always been Porsche. Yeah. But I will tell you this. That is the only car that if I was going to buy a Porsche to a Viper ACR, I would get the Viper. Yeah. I'm telling you. You can't, for a purposely built car, <laughs> awesome. What, what was it like working for Porsche back in, like, the 80s heyday? You know, back before, like... <laughs> Porsche, you didn't see very many Porsches driving around on the street. You know, it was still kind of a, not that Porsche's not unique anymore, but it was still a very, like, small community, um, very, very dedicated uh, to racing. I mean, they're still dedicated to racing, well, but back then, that's when they came over and started doing the, a lot with the, with the in the 962 the program. Yeah. Well, basically, the reason why I got hired at Porsche is that I worked for a South African team, Creepy Crawler. And in 1984, well, I actually worked the driver. One of the drivers, Sarl Vandermerva, was the driver that I met at Momo when I worked at Momo with Alice McNeil. And this was 83. Okay. So Sarl then goes out, and they started a new company. Well, they started a racing team from South Africa called Creepy Crawler Racing. Huh. And it was... It was uh, located in Miami, Florida. Yeah, because I can imagine there's not a whole lot of road courses in South Africa. No. But what (laughs) happened, the apartheid, this is right before the apartheid took over in South Africa. Ah. So, basically, a lot of your big companies went racing because the way the rule was, you could take 90 
95 or 98 percent of your advertisement budget and take an ever you know and use it for advertisement huh anywhere in the world anywhere in the world huh so they were taking it I'm just telling you that's what happened yeah but anyway I was on the team and when we won the Andretti showed up with the first 962 ever which was Bruce Levin's car that he bought but Porsche got to use it to come to Daytona 24 hours 1984 with the Andretti's and we had Sorrel Vandenberger Tony Martin Grand Duxbury and we beat them actually <laughs> we actually sat on the pole I I can remember going to the Porsche truck. They had 13 millimeter titanium nuts that was around the gearbox for weight. Well, I took them off and just used regular aircraft because damn things were so expensive. It wasn't funny. Yeah. So we replaced all that. And the German mechanics come over, look at the car, and go, eh, "I'm not going to walk. Not going to work." Well, they broke. I didn't. <laughs> and we won the race by eight laps. So I got hired by Porsche in the rainstorm in Lime Rock, Connecticut. Um, Roger Bailey, I wasn't going to go. Sorrow wanted me to stay and work for them, be, be his mechanic. And then Roger Bailey came up and said, he said, Tom, you can always be a mechanic, but you cannot always work for Porsche. So I went to work for Porsche. And what was it like? I, I'm telling you, I go to Wysock for the Porsche Cup. I used to, they would let me go into, that's when we were in Formula One. Porsche was in Formula One. I got to go look at the Formula One motors in the, you know, and the guys, you know, oh, here's an American, you know, and, and, and it was just like, it was awesome. I mean, uh, Dr. Porsche came up to me and shook my hand. Dr. Ferry Porsche. Wow. Oh, yeah. And the German counterpart that was in the States, like, couldn't believe that Dr. Porsche shook my hand. He says, wow. oh, I hear you're the American <laughs> that's in the United States. And it was it was like awesome. I yeah. mean, working for Porsche, you know, especially back then. I oh, mean, there was, was so much going on, and you, Porsche was just pouring tons and tons of funds. It was engineering into everything. It, it was, was fantastic. I got to ride in the Paris Dakar nine twenty eight in in uh, in Wysock at the uh, test facility, and then I got to go to. Matter of fact, I went to Lufthansa and brought the first truckload of nine twenty eights back to Warrington. And come to find out, they got confiscated by the uh, customs. And Al says, how did you get them out of customs? I said, I don't know. I just took them. And then they showed <laughs> up, and we had to impound them because they couldn't pass the, the rules uh, for the door in, uh, you know, for a crash. So, ah, okay. But it was uh, working for Porsche. You know, I bled Porsche uh, blood for a long time. And I think there was some guys uh, said that I was probably the most knowledgeable Porsche guy in the United States Really? For a long time. Huh. But it was, you know, working for him, there was a lot of fantastic Porsche people, a lot of people. Uh, just, you know, the, the camaraderie working for Porsche, the people that raced the cars, it was, it was, uh, it's an experience you can't, you can't describe. Yeah. It's just like being in Bonneville. You can't describe it. You have to experience it. You have to do it. it. Yeah. yeah. So, so, but it was great. And I know last night you were telling me, too, that at one point you were a crew chief for Lynn St. James, right? Yeah. Um, whenever I got, when Holbert got killed, uh, I got moved to Roush. Well, Lee White hired me at, and Jack hired me at Daytona and moved me to Michigan. And I got, she was a fantastic lady. I, I enjoyed working for her. Uh, that's when she had the secret insurer uh, Mustang. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, I had a guy uh, working with me. His name was Ray Gondia. He was just a young kid. And uh, we built her a car. And it was uh, Dorsey and a few other people were jealous. And some of the mechanics at Roush got mad because Lynn had a, she had a great car. <laughs> oh, yeah. And, you know, she was a good lady. I mean, she could, I mean, that girl could drive. I mean, she, <clears throat> you give her a car. She could drive. Yeah. I mean, yeah, she was pretty cool. And uh, I enjoyed that. That was, I got hurt in Ohio. And then uh, Jack kind of, eh, you know, when you get hurt on a race team, sometimes it's not too. Uh, you're not as, as useful to them. Yeah, you're not a, you're not a favorite get, son anymore. Get put out to pasture a little uh, bit. Yeah, and I hurt my back. And 
got medevaced out and then um, went home and uh, went to work. That's when Mr. Patrick called up and uh, went to work for Roger Bailey and Mr. Patrick on the Indy Light huh. Series. So, um, but Lynn, she was pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, uh, oh, talking about getting hurt, it reminds me of some physical stuff that you were telling me about how you actually got hired into professional motorsport out at a race carrying tires around and throwing them up over the wall. Well, I don't know. We that, was, were, that was an interesting story for me. Uh, we were running a Grand National when I lived in California, and uh, I was a lot younger. And Steve Anderson, XA Cabinets, <clears throat> I mean, he knew the track. And we were running a um, Camaro. And we came in. We were all psyched up. We were running third place. I mean, we had we had to tape over the brake lights because the NASCAR guys never knew what brake lights was. They almost <laughs> crashed going into turn nine at Riverside. So we were all pumped. We were leading third place, and everybody was saying, "How are these, how are these guys, you know, how can they do this?" Well, Steve knew the, you know, he knew the track. So we came in, and this was when we had the, like the big, not the lightweight steel rims, and I was pretty good shape. So I. I got one in one, one in either hand, either hand was on the pit wall. Car comes in, I set the tire down in the left rear and come in the left front, set the tire down, and help the guy change it. And then I don't know why I did it. I just I threw the tire, <laughs> and it it went over the wall, and hit the ground and bounced. And I remember watching it bounce, and then I was doing you know I was doing whatever. And come to find out, Junior Johnson was standing there. He stopped the tire. And I go back over the wall, and he comes up, and he goes, um, big wad at the back of his mouth, and spits it on the ground. I said, boy, you need to come work for me. <laughs> so I could have gone to NASCAR a long time ago. But, yeah. you know, I was, you know, still had a, I had a job. And this was before the, you know, 81, 80, 81. So the economy was still good in California. So, but... You know, I mean, that was just some of the things that happened. So. Yeah. Now, speaking of NASCAR, you were showing me a video earlier of a machine that you developed that would actually weld, um, you know, NASCAR cup car chassis yeah, together. CO2. Yeah. CO2. Yeah. Which so, was, was pretty interesting to me. I mean, yeah. that seemed like a, a project you said that went that was, on for a long time and, and well, you know, what, they still use it. What happened is that uh, Kent Lassen was worked in motorsports and I kind of worked for Kent Lassen. So we came up with this wild brain, hair brain idea. We're a manufacturing company. So why don't we consider making a robot cell that we could actually weld center sections of the car of tomorrow. This is when the car of tomorrow just came out. So we put together a plan, go to the powers to be, and they authorized it. So that was a four-year program. Our chassis that we welded, we, we cut and uh, we did like you would build a regular car. We had you know, all the checks, fixtures, everything. And we used a Fanuc uh, robot with the Lincoln welder. Mm -hmm. And we developed this, uh, this cell that... Weld, welded all the um, Dodge Motorsports, and at that time we had a lot of teams. We had Petty, we had Ganassi, we had Penske, so we were making cage assemblies and also cutting tube and grinding tube and stuff like that. But yeah, that was a four-year program, and then we took it down to Penske and uh, the Aero program at Chrysler arrow the, the cage the motor and everything just came together you know the stars aligned they won the championship in 2012 yeah so it was pretty awesome and now you know penske still from what i understand they still use that robot welder 24 7 so i mean it, that was that was a fun project. I had a guy that was my boss said I worked too hard on it, but won a championship. <laughs> but that's what made it. Yeah, that's made, what made it what it was. You know I mean, what I mean, what's really interesting to me 
is that your background goes from, you know, from, well, it's, it's essentially very high level, but in a lot of different disciplines of racing. I mean, from Pikes Peak to, you know, to Bonneville, to NASCAR, to, you know, uh, like 24-hour Daytona and like high-level high road course stuff. That's what I find really, really intriguing yeah. is that once you develop a skill set, you can kind of take it yeah. other places. And there's not a lot of people in the industry that I've met that can say that. Well, I think one of – also, I, I need to say this, too. One of my highlights was uh, Tommy Kendall. I remember when Tom, Tommy Kendall started racing. Danny Banks used to come up when – at Riverside, California, Danny Banks, and he'll probably get mad when he hears this, <laughs> but when he was 13, 12, 13 years old, I used to let him – lap the valves in the form of Ford race car <laughs> and then look at what you know now he's with Corvette and everything yeah but Tommy Kendall I remember when he started racing the the uh, Mazda in uh, uh, in California he had um, the go-kart uh, Malibu Grand Prix as a sponsor mm-hmm. I remember with Tommy when he started that well a few years ago I built a Trans Am car for Chrysler and Tommy was our driver, and he he finished, I think, second at Brainerd. So I looked at him and I said, "Tommy, my career is complete." You know, because I remember when you started, you haven't been on a podium in 15 years, and you got on a podium. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's just, it's. I, I'm not disagreeing with the disciplines that is there. You know, it like I've taken it. The discipline in different directions but um, I'm gonna tell you you know my career if I had to do it again you know the only regret that I have is that you have to commit to it most most um, marriages don't have the commitment right I've been married to the same lady I met her in college took her to a drag strip Shipped the gears on her kneecap, married a year and a half later. <laughs> Could she fit in and get out of a Formula Ford? Yes. Okay. <laughs> Still. Still. And she's a fantastic lady. Got two kids, Chad and Stephanie. She raised them because I was on the road. If I had to do it again, I would probably maybe might have chosen something different. But I didn't. And she's put up with you, man. I, 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 you know, she's put up with me, and um, I, I would never, I wouldn't do it again. There's things that I would, li- I wish I would changed, you know, like, um, you know, some of the, the combat stuff that I had in Nam, you know, and I, I do have PTSD and a few other things, but you know, I, I control that, but, you know, it's just I love what I do. I don't. Um, and I don't, I, I, and I'm, I, I'm not afraid to tell you that either. Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, you can tell by the passion that you have for it, even after all of these years. Yeah, well, you know, I turn a lot of people off because I do have too much passion. You know, but, you know, I've won a lot of races. I've won a lot of races. <clears throat> I've helped people win races. There's stuff that I'm still learning, but, you know, I mean, I'm, you know, it's just, uh, you know, it's, I, I don't know. I can't yeah. explain it. I think anybody that has the same passion that you have won't be turned off by your passion. I think it's other people that are into it, but they haven't committed their life to it yes. that get turned off. Yes, I do, I do not disagree with that. Yeah. So. Because it takes, it takes a lot. I've been told I've never had a real job, and uh, I'm telling you, it takes a lot of commitment. I mean, to do this and do it successfully. For years. It, it takes a lot of commitment. Yeah. So. So, well, Tom, we really appreciate your time today. No, um, you know, I know this was kind of like spur of the moment, yeah, uh, but whatever. I think the listeners are really going to enjoy listening to the show, and I hope that sometime in an event you can sit down with Adam Jabay and I and actually, yeah. you know, record another show and talk about more nope, stories. No problem. I know Adam would love to talk to you yeah. about stuff. Well, too. I mean, you know, let's get together. You know, as we see time. We see time. You know, you know it, what what works and. Down the road to some more of the grid life stuff, you know. We, let's say there's things, opportunities that pop up. Yeah, like to do it. All right. Yeah. 
So, uh, where can people find out more about the programs that you're working on? Is there any like Facebook. portal? Okay. Just go to Facebook. Okay. I'm on Facebook, uh, social media, you know. <laughs> you're going to get an influx I'm, of I'm, friends I'm, requests I'm now. I'm actually on Instagram, too, believe oh, really? it or not, right? <laughs> or Snap, Snapchat. Oh, yes. <laughs> I'm not even on Snapchat, man. <laughs> I mean, when we when I did the uh, the Hoonigan thing, the girls, we had to pick these girl drivers. They couldn't believe that I knew how to do uh, Instagram, you know. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, I mean, uh, it's it's been nice. Uh, been nice meeting you, and... Uh, Good luck to you in your career. Yeah, thank you. And uh, and best be, of luck to you guys yeah, this weekend. Yeah, be careful on that motorcycle. Oh, I will. All right. All right. See you, buddy. Thanks, Tom. Yeah, bye. And speed a bit. Check, check, check. Mic check. Go ahead and talk into that mic, Tom. Mic check, mic check. There we go. Mic check. This is going to be a bunch of fun. I can already tell. <laughs> You're looking at me like, I don't think it's going to be. I don't know. I think I'm going to incriminate myself, you know. Anyway. What, what, would, you, what would you incriminate yourself with? Hell, I don't know. You know how it is. Somebody <laughs> comes up and says, oh, that guy's full of bull. You never know. No, you'd be fine. Trust me. You've, I mean, uh, you've been around a lot longer than most people that listen to the show. Oh, my God. You're telling, calling me an old fart? <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, I am old, but I'm not an old fart yet. I mean, that's what you get. I bring you out here to Bonneville. I, you're, you're working on a good sunstroke, so now you're giving me a ration, right? Yeah. We, need, we definitely need some beer. We should have had some beer, but... We should have had a lot of beers. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you camping out of starting a five-week tour on a Ducati, and brand... I mean, your bike is wasted with all the salt. Ah, it's fine. Yeah, but wait till you start cleaning it, and then you're going to be bad-mouthing me. Well, you know, this guy got me out on the salt. Yeah. I knew I knew what I was getting into. I was going to ride out here and all take right. photos of the bike on the salt anyway, right. so... So what I normally do, I do a countdown. I do like five, four, three, two, one. Yep. Uh, you know, and then I start. So, um, you ready? Well, pee break. I, I think water we, break. I think we've already done the five, four, three, two, one. We have. Thing. Okay. <laughs> so, what do you think of the car? I love it. The yeah. car is absolutely amazing. And hopefully, we have our transmission problems and all that stuff fixed, and he can go out and we can do a, a little bit better than a two ninety one and set the record. And then uh, everybody will be happy. Yeah. So I'm going to do my intro real quick just so people know who you are because we haven't said who you are. So I'm just I normally an, you just call go, me an old fart, so I, <laughs> you already said who I am. I'm going to tack this on to the end. Okay. Are right, you ready? Yep.